Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, uh, flying solo again today for the first part, and then the main part of the podcast will be with Chris Rim, who is the multimedia features uh, producer with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, AtlantaFalcons.com does really some awesome work, and it's a unique role because you know, his job is really to get to know a lot of the players on the team, a lot of the coaches, and kind of give you some of the inside stories um, about them as people, not necessarily players, although he does that as well. But it's uh, really unmasking is kind of the term that they like to use over at the the team site. And Chris does that as well as anybody. So going to get his thoughts on just kind of the offseason. That's what today's conversation will be, is setting the stage um, for free agency, for the draft. Um, although, as you'll hear us get into it, the draft at this point of the year doesn't isn't necessarily it's a focus for the teams right i mean like they spend all year long doing the scouting doing all of that but in terms of how the approach might play out we just don't have enough information because a lot will change between now and the draft because of free agency you know if the falcons go out and sign like a another tight end like a hayden hurst uh type of player obviously that removes tight end is like a primary need in the draft. So the way that they fill a lot of these holes in the coming weeks will play a factor in in how we look at what they need to do in the draft. Now, obviously, if they really do stick to that best player available approach, maybe it doesn't change anything, you know, because even if you've got a a great tackle in, in Jake Matthews, if you think that the best player on the board is an offensive tackle, and this is a really good group of offensive tackles yet again kind of reminds me of that uh, class two years ago where you had guys like Tristan Wirfs um, in there and I like I think I think they're going to be some really good long term um, tackles in this draft so maybe the Falcons decide to use a pick there and just build quality depth but again all of that is going to kind of I think depend on what happens over the next couple of weeks with free agency especially so we're going to kind of dive into all of that Before we get to Chris, I'm going to kind of lay down my thoughts on how the Falcons could approach this because anything is on the table. Um, But before we get to all of that, let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsor. The football season might be over. Man, that's a bummer of a way to start an ad read, right? (laughs) But basketball season is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V to get started. And guys, it's not just basketball. You know, that... <laughs> 
That's what they wanted me uh, to say up top, but it's not just basketball. BetOnline is also your source if you're into hockey, boxing, UFC odds. The Olympics wrapped up, but they had uh, some odds for that as well. So it's the best in the business, guys. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. It really is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. So remember, guys, BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so I've been really trying to think about what the like the way that I want to frame this free agency period in this offseason for the Falcons because it's really really different it's obviously closest to the last offseason because a it's the same regime but b the financial restrictions are kind of still in place although I think they've got a little bit more flexibility to maybe try to get out of it still not a ton though if you look at the numbers it's kind of bleak um but more importantly, they've got a better feel for the guys that are in that locker room and who they want to have be a part of this long term. Um, so this will be, I think, kind of the most important and telling offseason for this current regime with Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith because of that information that they've accrued over the last 12 months. Um, and that's that's really the same for for everybody, right? Like any time that you take on a new job, whether it be in professional sports or whatever, there's an acclimation period. You get the lay of the land. You may have heard some things about some people from the outside, but once you get in there and you really see what the truth is, what the T is, all of that stuff, you get a better sense of a guy like Matt Ryan, of a guy like, you know, Cordero Patterson or Jake Matthews or Grady Jarrett or whoever. And you say, okay, yeah, this is somebody who both on the field, off the field, we think can be a part of a winning formula they're worth keeping around. Maybe you get somebody who from the outside, you, you heard great things. You always appreciated their play whenever they played against your team. They brought it, whatever. But maybe you get in here and you see them Monday through Saturday and, and they're not bringing it. And you're like, well, he's a good player. He's a gamer. But I don't know if he's bringing it throughout the week to the level that a championship team needs. And so these are all bits of information that coaches are able to find out when they really get under the hood and see these guys up close that maybe a scouting department, your NFL um, kind of player personnel guys or pro scouts don't get that level of access or information um, on a guy. So I think that when we look at, you know, it's cliche to say like a team's at a crossroads. (laughs) The Falcons aren't just at a crossroads. They have a million different directions that they could go this offseason and make kind of a legitimate argument as to why they're doing it. Right. So Let's say they want to tear everything down. That option is in front of them. You know, they, they came in here and Arthur Smith from day one said, look, our goal is to build sustained progress. Our goal is to build a, a lasting contender. But we also want to be competitive right away. And why wouldn't he? Like, that's what he's evaluated on is wins and losses. They won more games, I think, than a lot of people thought they would win. They also lost a lot of games by 18 points and 20 points. I mean, so... The Falcons are one of these weird teams where there's a clear kind of hierarchy in the league between, you know, the teams that aren't really considered competitors and they know that and the fan bases know that and it's kind of they're in clear rebuild mode. Then there are the teams that are the expectation is to push for a playoff spot every single year. The Falcons are kind of like one of maybe three teams that are in that purgatory right in between. And that's what makes them so fascinating because you've got a competent quarterback who is playing in an era where quarterbacks are able to play longer than they ever have before. 
he's got the right type of makeup. You know, he's not a a running quarterback. He's a, a pocket quarterback who's got the mobility, but Matt Ryan is competitive as hell and he's going to do everything that he can to be as good as he can for as long as he can. Um, and so the Falcons obviously know that are aware of that. And as long as you've got a, a competent quarterback, you're, you're always a step ahead of a team that maybe doesn't have that. So I don't think the Falcons are quick to blow that up. And, and, and Matt Ryan's a big reason why, because they've got that piece. It's like their queen is still on the chessboard. And as long as your queen is still alive on the chessboard, you kind of have a chance to get back into the mix. Um, but as soon as your queen is gone, all right, then you really got to look at, at the overall strategy. I think that's how they feel about Matt Ryan. But if they wanted to tear it down, obviously they would save some money getting rid of Matt Ryan still has a big cap hit, but it wouldn't necessarily, I think be about the 2022 season as much as it would be moving, moving forward because you know, uh, what does it really mean to kind of start over, right? Like why, why would a team like the Falcons choose to start over quote unquote? Well, it, it's because the, the way that the finances have been arranged previously, you've just got too much money locked up in too few assets, important assets, but it hinders your flexibility to really strengthen, I think, the overall depth of your team and roster. So you would be parting ways with guys like probably Matt Ryan, you know, Jake Matthews, uh, maybe Deion Jones, like these other core pieces of players. And essentially, you just say, OK, the, the guys that we invested in, we don't know if we can reach the mountaintop with them as the crux of our roster and, and where we've really pushed a lot of the chips into the middle of the table. But you're going to lose those guys and you're going to reorient really what your roster is, is based around and the archetypes of players. You know, fast and physical is is a really easy thing to kind of have stick in your head. And that's where guys like Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, all of those guys fit that mantra. Uh, Arthur Smith, not a big mantra guy. He just wants somebody to come in and, and do their job. They're going to hold him accountable, all of that stuff. So, you know, you would kind of reshuffle your deck and the types of guys that you're looking at that you value the archetypes, you would start to bring those guys in. And that w- probably would have made more sense in year one, which is why I think the Falcons clearly aren't trying to blow everything up. They're trying to, yeah, it's like, it's like you have two tires blown out and you're still, you're still trying to keep the car in motion and maybe just change those tires on the go um, instead of a full pit stop. So that that's kind of what I think the Falcons are doing. So let's talk about that approach a little bit because Financially, yeah, they're they're strapped, but the cap space is maneuverable. You can figure out ways to do it. It's just that manipulating that cap to free up some of the space is going to cost you later on in certain situations. And that's kind of where the Falcons are. It's they're they're now reaching the point where and they they were last year as well. That 2016, 2017, 2018 window, and I really thought that 2018 had the chance to be their best team um, of that stretch. And it's a shame that you know, Deion Jones goes out uh, in, in week two. Keanu's out in week one. You really lose the spine of a defense that I felt was peaking after the 2017 season. I thought that they really, really could be good in 2018 under Marquand Manuel, his second year. So it's a shame that it didn't work out. But the Falcons pushed a lot of their chips financially into that run. And now you're seeing with the the extensions that some of them signed with a lot of the renegotiations and moving some of the stuff in assigning bonuses that are prorated out of the, the lifetime of the deal. Now that's where you're getting into a lot of the trickiness where you, you can't get out of some of these contracts because there's a big cap hit or the savings just aren't necessarily worth losing that player. 
So I think you're going to see the Falcons keep a lot of these guys around, or there are going to be some players that we're not talking about right now who are on the cutting block um, that will seem surprising. But I wouldn't be shocked if Falcons look at, A, yes, adding some, some starting caliber talent, but this almost seems like a depth offseason to me, is just go add as many good players as you can. It doesn't really matter the position, because next year, if financially they don't compromise themselves this offseason trying to attain you know, what I just laid out, they're, they're going to have that financial flexibility. Um, and so if, if you're adding a lot of guys for depth and maybe you're push that 7-10 and 10 season to an 8-9 and nine or a 9-8 and eight season, I think that they're going to add a lot of just talent across the board, some of whom may not you know, see the field a lot, but getting that depth allows you to then make some easier decisions next offseason because you've got guys in place who can naturally transition into that role. I think a lot about the safety position last year for Atlanta. They signed Eric Harris. They signed Ron Harmon because they knew they needed starting caliber safeties at a position where they were losing guys like Ricardo Allen, who got to play in the Super Bowl. Super happy for him um, and Keanu Neal. So they needed somebody to step in immediately into a complicated defense run by Dean Pease. And the safety position is a very key part of his defense. But now they've got Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins who learned for a year, got some reps, got some experience in this system, and now they are ready to kind of take over. I wouldn't be shocked if we see in the draft and free agency some of these types of moves, you know, maybe guys that aren't super overwhelming, overwhelming with name quality, but come in here, know their role, know their assignment, learn for a year, and then are ready to kind of really take over when the Falcons can make some of these big frontlining free agent acquisitions or draft picks next year. But the overall ability of the roster is, I think, weaker than than a lot of the teams who are truly competing, you know, and the Falcons were lucky with injuries last year. I know, you know, the Calvin Ridley situation was kind of tough. You weren't expecting to lose him. And for all intents and purposes, it was kind of like a season ending injury. But by and large, I mean, the offensive line stayed healthy. You had Foyer out there for every game. Deion Jones out there for pretty much every game. Like Isaiah Oliver was one of the most costly injuries um, and I think if you said kind of going into the season, hey, you're going to lose Isaiah Oliver for the year. But outside of that, you're not really a lot of guys are going to miss time. You probably would have taken that. Now, I think Isaiah is a great player and the defense would have been much better with him out there. But you get my point. It was a pretty good injury year. Um, so the Falcons lack of quality depth, I think, wasn't exposed to the level it could be. But trust me, <laughs> Arthur Smith is very aware of the importance that depth plays in an NFL season because he continues to talk about it and he's smart to do so. Tennessee has weathered injuries a lot the last couple of years, but they're able to kind of keep the ship afloat because the depth is there and guys step up and are able to do their job and fill that role really admirably. And I think that Arthur Smith values that. So if they're kind of trying to tinker with this thing on the fly, it makes sense that maybe not every addition this offseason is going to be strictly focused on starting caliber talent. I think they're going to want to get some really good number twos, some really good number threes in here, and you're going to be able to do that cost effectively, right? You're going to go kind of like bargain bin shopping, even though that's a little bit of a a slanderous term, I guess, because all of these guys in the NFL are amazing at what they do. But Terry Fontenot has excelled in that uh, throughout his career is finding these guys that maybe other teams don't value as highly as they should, like a Cordero Patterson, bring them in here, get the most out of them. Now, the question with Cordero Patterson is like, do you want to then pay for the production last year? Or do you consider that as, hey, we got the best possible value for this player. We didn't pay him anything at all, really, like a million dollars. 
and we got one of the best offensive pieces in the game last year, which is the reason you were able to win seven, seven games. And so now do you say, all right, we'll let somebody else pay for that. We got, we got the best. Let's figure out now what do we want to do at the position and try to replicate it. That could be the approach. And if they're trying to both win now while also setting up for the future, I think that that is the way that they should go. Now, the final option, I think, would be like push all the chips into the middle of the pile. And that is where I think you would see them trying to maybe sign like a lot like the 2016 offseason where maybe you just get a couple of marquee free agents like an Alex Mack and a Mohamed Sanu. And that helps you maybe push everything over the top. I don't think that will be the Falcons approach because I don't think that they are that close to really getting over the mountaintop. But number eight pick, you know, use that on somebody who can come in right away and make a big impact at a position of big impact. Um, So that would, you know, probably leave you with like an edge rusher or maybe an offensive lineman if you really feel like you need to upgrade that in order for your offense to really take off. Then we're kind of looking at that. And then in the second, third, fourth, fifth rounds, you're getting guys who you think can step in from day one and compete. I, I don't think that that will be the Falcons approach again, because a lot of depth issues here. Uh, I don't know if the overall talent of the roster is ready for that push the chips in approach. I think that they would benefit from kind of doing what they did last year in don't lock yourself down financially for the next couple of years, because that is when I think you really can fine tune all of this and reshape where your direction is. Um, But you still obviously want to compete. And given the fact that the NFC South looks like it's as wide open as Maybe anytime since 2006. What? <laughs> Wasn't that when uh, Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees arrived? So there's a window here, which is why I think it's that that second path that I laid out. I think you're going to kind of split the difference. You're not going to have a complete overhaul. Guys like Matt Ryan in place, still very effective. You try to build it up around him. But you also understand that 2022, 2023 is not the window. The window could very well be 2024 to 2027, hopefully. And you're going to you're going to try to get there you're trying to build that foundation and get that that ball kind of rolling up the hill to then let it roll back down and everything's easy and you've got you've done all the hard work to let it now get the momentum rolling and it's unstoppable so i think that that's probably where the falcons are going to go and you're going to see a lot of these guys who may not be the biggest names out there you know avon miller probably not coming to atlanta but you may get somebody who doesn't necessarily have like the best public persona or is considered over the hill. I would trust the Falcons and I would trust Terry Fontenot to handle a lot of the free agent acquisitions because the saints really kind of turned their sinking ship around um, in the, the 20 kind of like 14, 15 when they were trending downwards and it looked like things were getting a little tougher as Drew Brees was getting older. They were reoriented and they shifted a lot of their resources to the defensive side of the ball. Terry Fontenot was huge in making that happen signing a lot of underwhelming um, considered free agents and getting the most out of them. Sean Payton, once he got his hands on him, turned him into a great defense, a great team. And I think that that's what the Falcons approach can be. So I would maybe look for that in free agencies. Some, some guys that like a Cordero Patterson, who you're like, really? Like, how is he going to help this team? Well, it turns out they really had uh, something in mind for him. Um, and I would trust the Falcons to do that. And then through the draft, Anthony Robinson is, is somebody I think very, very highly of. He's, I think, a big part of the reason the Falcons have been able to hit on guys like Foye Lewican and, and Russell Gage in later rounds. Um, and so I would trust him to handle the draft really well. But I, I think that you're going to see truly a best player available approach in the draft. I wouldn't be shocked if they kind of take a, a player out of position where it's not necessarily considered 
the biggest need on the board, um, like an offensive tackle. To me, that's not a massive number one need, but it's an area where having somebody maybe waiting in the wings allows you and frees you up to make some tougher decisions next year, the next offseason, what have you, because you've got somebody waiting. And that's kind of what good, smart teams do. I think the Falcons have some more pressing needs that you know might, even though you're saying best player available, it's kind of one of those things where until you prove it, until you actually take... Like if the Falcons took a tight end at number eight, then I would I would really believe like, okay, they are actually best player available because this makes no sense from a need standpoint or a roster building standpoint. But if you come out and you say, yeah, we're going to we're going to take needs and then Calvin Ridley slips to you, even though wide receiver is not considered a need. And you're like, Calvin Ridley is going to be a future all pro. We're going to just take him. People start losing their minds and, and freaking out because, you know, as the Joker says in, in the Dark Knight, like. As long as there's a plan, nobody loses their mind. But the moment that you say, well, here's our plan and then kind of contradict it, everybody freaks out and rightfully so because it's like, well, do you know what you're doing? Are you sticking to your plan? By saying we're just going to take best player available, you can pretty much argue that any prospect you take is, well, we think he's best player available for X, Y, and Z reasons. And we're not going to know that for like four years because that's just how long it kind of really takes for somebody to either make it or not. Um, So I I think we will see a best player available approach, though, because of the depth reasons that I said there. There are just too many holes on this roster. And that's kind of what I think we're going to see is free agency. Maybe some of these mid mid tier pack guys who the Falcons view as maybe in a bad situation. Great upside, great value for what their price is. And then the draft, you're just going to see them go after guys that they think have incredible upside um, and, and massive talent ability, even if it's not. There's not like a clear path for them to be starting on day one. Uh, But the hope is eventually, maybe this season, maybe next year, that they're stepping in and they're really competing at a high level. So those are my thoughts on free agency, on kind of the draft. But let's get to uh, Chris Rim. And he's going to share a lot more for you guys and, and is really connected on all of this stuff. So let's get to it. What's more important than peace of mind? absolutely nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get your hands on. And that's where NordVPN comes in. It's the best VPN service in the world, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. You guys, I'm not... I'm not even sure what next-gen encryption means, but it sounds really damn impressive. So you got to trust it, right? Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating systems. Windows 11 or Mac OS, you update to Monterey, it's going to work. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start at under $4 per month. So... Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe that's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you want secure internet that's as fast as it comes, check them out and head over to nordvpn.com slash believe. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. Tons of people take multivitamins. I myself have uh, recently started to take a 
once a day multivitamin. And it's how I get the uh, rich timber that you hear in my. <laughs> okay, moving on. But it's important to choose a multivitamin that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports, among others, gut health, energy recovery, and even aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. I gotta say, one of my favorite things about getting to work with the uh, Atlanta Falcons, among you know pretty much everything, was that I had access to some of the uh, smoothies that they would make for for the players, and man, I miss those so much. Uh, but Athletic Greens very comparable. And so I've been able to kind of get back into enjoying some great smoothies, maybe for lunch, if I want to take it light, uh, a, a post-workout smoothie, Athletic Greens will have you covered. So reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So in order to get that great deal, all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. Chris, this is the first time that you and I have been able to talk face-to-face, but I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on and, and join me today. Yeah, excited to be here, man. Thanks for... It's good to meet you virtually and excited to be on. So I, I want to start here. Your, your Twitter handle is at ChrisRim1, and I really just have to know, in the eyes of Twitter, how good does it feel to be number one? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess it feels great. I never thought about it like that. I don't know. <laughs> I uh, my my Twitter <laughs> handle used to be something insane like legendary underscore Chris when I was like you know not man Twitter not. is just the biggest fan of you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now I'm Chris no, number one. <laughs> that's uh that's not what we're actually starting with today. Um, we're gonna get into a lot of Falcons free agency talk, a little bit of the draft, and really just kind of set the table before they head off to Indianapolis. Um, with you alongside them for the combine which is happening um, when you're listening to this, which will be Monday. It'll be kicking off on Tuesday. So uh, it's right here. And with it, pretty much the start of like the official NFL offseason. That's what it feels like. Before we get into some Falcons talk, though, I just want to learn a little bit about your backstory before joining the uh, team website this past season. Yeah, yeah. So I was at the uh, Boston Globe before I came here. Um, and then I did some, I was like an intern for USA Today as well as Philadelphia Magazine. And I've also written for, uh, Men's Health Magazine and Oprah Daily nice. Magazine and, um, ESPN's Undefeated, uh, places like that. And I'm from Philadelphia originally. Um, this is my first time coming to Atlanta when I started here, two days before yeah. I started here. I, it was my first day. How do you um, like it? It's good. I like it. You know, no snow. People move a little <laughs> bit slower. <laughs> people, people probably nicer, definitely nicer. And the food's good. 
So, yeah, I like it here a lot, mainly because of the weather. But the only thing is, like, you kind of have to drive everywhere. Whereas yeah, before, and, and you you haven't really experienced, I think, the full-on traffic because it's still been yeah. kind of pandemic-y for the last little bit. Once, yeah. uh, once the, I, I don't know where, where you're, you're located, but you know, the drive to Flowery Branch, I used to live in Vinings mm-hmm. and we, we eventually moved much, much closer to Flowery Branch because I was in the car for like an hour and a half every single day to and from Flowery <laughs> Branch. Um, yeah, yeah. So you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's awesome, man. And, and, uh, sounds like you've really come a long way and, and earned your place. So it, you're a great addition to the team. And I've really enjoyed reading all of your stuff on the website. Um, but let's get into some of the Falcons talk, where they stand heading into the offseason. You guys recently did a, a roundtable on the website, um, you, Tori, and, and Scott, basically answering what is the most pressing need uh, for the Falcons as everything stands right now. You know, I'm going to spoil the piece. Sorry. It's not the, the whole focus of the piece. It's one part. But you and Tori both gave the correct answer, and, and Scott did too, but for the sake of zagging, he, he gave a different answer. You guys both said pass rush. I think you know yeah. that's where I stand. They were, again, worst in the league and by a large margin. Um, Scott went with wide receiver, which I think you can make a case for. Um, certainly, it depends on what happens with Calvin Ridley. But you know, why did you say pass rush? Yeah, I mean, I think I, think, I, think I said pass rush largely because I think you're – well, I guess more than I thought about it, it can start in the secondary too. But I think the pass rush mm-hmm. just makes your defense look a lot different. Um, when you look at guys like um, Trayvon Diggs and Jalen Ramsey, and well, I guess they're not necessarily the same in terms of their cover skills, but in terms of Diggs' interceptions, like mm-hmm. I don't think he's the same player if he's playing with the Falcons defensive line. I think it's the, whereas you have a guy like AJ Terrell who was a top three cornerback in the NFL last year. And he was playing behind a defensive a defensive line that was that struggled to get pressure. They were out totaled yeah. in sacks by you know one player in TJ Watt. So <laughs> I think so I think that that would I think that having that defensive line would help your superstar cornerback um, and also help your linebacker core. I think it would help every. I think it, would, it starts there and it would help everything um, in the in the in behind it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, that's something we always talked about and I was always really um, interested in is, do you build from kind of like the top down or from the bottom up when it comes to defense? And there, there are kind of two ways to do it. You can, you can really thrive off of the energy of a secondary. I think yeah. that sometimes maybe we're seeing that more in the college game um, mm-hmm. than in the NFL just because, I mean, offenses are so good, players are so good in the NFL it, you know, even the Rams with all of the talent that they have on defense, you know, they they barely got to the Super Bowl and they kind of barely won the Super Bowl. Like it's just the margins are razor thin. But I I think what that we're what we're seeing is having somebody like AJ Terrell is, is awesome. You need four of them, and and honestly, you kind of need more than that to really get a quarterback stressed to the point of not being able to find somebody that a kind of average pass rush can get right. home. It just takes a lot. I mean, quarterbacks are just too good nowadays. It's happening too quickly and you can manufacture space offensively. I think we're all kind of coming around on you need a front four or five. If, if you're going to have the outside linebackers standing up that can just go after a quarterback's ass and just yeah. make his day hell yeah, for exactly. four quarters. And then let your, to your tra- uh, Trayvon Diggs point, let your AJ Terrell's behind you, like eat, just let, let him ball Hawk, let him, 
take risks yeah. because you know that even if you mess up, quarterbacks may not have long enough to find your your mess up and make you pay. So versus yeah, like trying, I, yeah, versus like trying to have receivers stick with. I think I think wide receivers are too good to to ask a cornerback to stick with them for super getting really good. Time, you know? so. <laughs> It's it's insane. I mean, the level of of receiver talent coming into the league, and and that's why I think Scott's choice makes sense, right? Because it, it's almost like it. Every team now seemingly has at least one guy that they can rely on. It's it's who has two guys, who has three guys. Um, mm-hmm. The Bengals really got to the Super Bowl, I think, on the strength of of their deep and diverse receiving group. So, where do you? How do you feel about um, receiver? Maybe. Where would it fall for you on the list of like needs for this team? Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was interesting the way when when Scott started talking about it, I was thinking about it more, and I I think on the needs for the team, I'm not I, I don't I don't know where I would put it. I think maybe in the maybe in the in the in the top three to five, I would say. But I think you know Matt has never in Matt's career, the Falcons have always had a a super sturdy receiving core for the most part, mm-hmm. um, led by a first round pick. It was Roddy, then it was yep. Julio, now it's Calvin. And then behind those guys, you also had Sanu and Hardy and Jenkins, and then you had Gonzalez at tight end. Like he's always had that that group of guys, right? So it would be in Falcons fashion for them to add another guy to that group and obviously see what happens with Calvin's situation. You know, Arthur Blank said he wants him here, but we'll see what happens with that. But I think having that offense, like if you think of Matt Ryan, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, uh, Drake London, uh, Burks from uh, Drake London's good, Jameson Williams, Jameson Williams, whoever you like, and you think about putting that guy out there with with that group, I don't. I think that sounds very scary, (laughs) (laughs) and I I think that sounds like a team that that would score like. Like the Falcons, like the the like the Falcons offense has been like that will score forty points. Um, but the but the issue with the Falcons has also been is as you know, covering this team longer than I have, um, is that they'll score forty points and then the other team will score forty five points. So <laughs> yeah. So it's so it's kind of like pick your poison. So I I I think I think ultimately the the cliche about uh, defense winning championships still holds true in the NFL. So I would probably put um, defensive line, maybe even cornerback before and, and wide receiver. Um, and also think about, you know, that interior linebacker position too as well. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, it's a great point that you've you've made about um, Matt kind of always having it. The Falcons have done a really good job of making sure that he's at least got some guys um, to throw to. They're really like last year reminded me a lot of 2013 when um, Julio and, and Roddy were, you know, both, both not available and Harry Douglas turned into a 1000 yard receiver. Matt yeah. has that ability, but I think at this stage in, in his career, you would like to, to give him options that can win quickly so that he is not having to sit back in the pocket as long as he, he has, because we know that there are some vulnerabilities there. So I, a receiver makes sense. I think there are some other ways to go about that maybe than the draft. And frankly, we don't know how Terry Fondo feels about where right. you want to draft a receiver, especially because there are so many good ones coming into the league. Maybe that's a value position. Yeah. But speaking of, of Terry Fontenot, it's, it's funny because I got his like very opening presser. It's like we mm-hmm. handed the, the baton off and, and you guys <laughs> stepped in and 
got to uh, got to get to know Arthur and, and Terry. Um, but in that opening presser, he said something that I found really interesting, um, which I think is really smart. And the smart teams do this is you actually just address your needs through free agency. Like the, a lot of teams like to yeah. build through the draft, but go plug the holes in your boat with the right size plug hole. You know, go find mm-hmm. a guy that you know is going to come in here and you've seen him against pro level competition. You've spoken to coaches. You understand the guys make up a lot more than you do at a kid coming out of college. And if that's the case, and if that's still his approach, finances aside, even though that's a huge factor in, in all of this, should fans expect a new veteran pass rusher to be in Atlanta for the 2022 season? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think... It's interesting because a lot of the guys on the market, when you look at them, you would think, I don't, I don't know if that's a possibility with the big names, yep. obviously, like Bond and Javian Clowney and, mm-hmm. and those kind of guys. But you do see other players like a maybe a Jerry Hughes or a Melvin Ingram, who's a little bit, maybe one of those guys who could take a shot and, and maybe um, come, come to the Falcons. I think, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see a veteran edge rusher come to the team. I don't think... Like you said, I don't think I'll be surprised to see that. And I just think my question would be who, 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 who would, they, <laughs> yeah. who is that person that, that they're going to bring in and maximize that out of, especially when you have a, a draft that um, is loaded with edge rushers. Um, who, who is that, that person going to be that, that you want to plug in? Well, let me, let me run this by you is I, I kind of think that given the fan, Falcons financial situation and, and given that like, I mean, a, a top end pass rusher is among the most expensive free a, free agent acquisitions a team can make. I mean, that yeah. they are they are a premier top dollar position because there aren't that many of them. And yeah. the Falcons are in a pretty good spot at number eight in in a draft that I think is considered better at edge rusher, particularly than the last couple of drafts. Um, you've had some quality top tier guys the last few drafts, you know, like a Chase Young, but the depth really hasn't been there kind of in the middle parts of, of the first round. I think it is this year and the Falcons certainly are, are in a great position to maybe grab like the third end off the board. And if, if they're sitting at number two, I mean, a lot of people think that there are two elite uh, edge rushers in this class. What do you think about the Falcons kind of almost going for a guy like a Dwight Freeney, like they did in 2016, somebody on their last leg who has been a great Justin Houston, Somebody like that, yeah. who's been a great pass rusher throughout their career, you say, look, you're coming in here not really for your production on the field, for your production off the field, and for the production you're going to help our young number eight pick get on the field, and you're going to mentor him for his first year. I mean, would that interest you? Oh, for sure. I think I think that, that would be something that they would definitely do, or I don't want to go as far as say have to do, obviously. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, the, I think you, you think about their first round pick last year, Kyle Pitts, you know, that that's who Lee Smith was this season. Um, Lee Smith was that guy for Kyle in terms of um, obviously Lee Smith is not uh, never. <laughs> He's not a, Kyle he, Pitts. <laughs> yeah. He never covered yeah. in 12 passes in a season. That's not what he was here for, but Lee was here to show him the rope, show him, help him become professional. And they became best friends. And they also helped Kyle um, not only on the field with some, with some things, but a lot off the field, how to be a pro. So bringing, like you said, to bring in a guy like Justin Houston, I would, I think that would be a great move for the Falcons to help if you go at eight or if you go later to help whoever you get develop and understand what it takes to get to that level. I think that's how you help your young players, you know, be, become playmakers quicker. Yeah, and I mean, 
I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that's a novel idea I just came up with. Like teams do right. that all the time. Your, your example right. of Lee Smith is a perfect, um, perfect one. If the smart teams say, okay, we invested a lot in this young player. Now, how do we make sure that, how do we put them on a development plan? You get a new employee at any job, it's kind of like, all right, well, let's get them on a path to success and mentors and stuff like that. NFL teams yeah. are, are not dummies um, when it comes to that either. They just have way, way more invested. So there was an article, though, that, that Tori wrote um, during the season, and, and I kind of went back and reread it thinking about this conversation. It kind of sounds like Dean Pease is not a big draft and develop guy when it comes to uh, the pass rusher position. And that in his experience, it's like, you know, you just can't teach some elite pat, you know, like Julius Peppers was always just going to have freak athletic bend around the corner and you can't teach that and you can't, yeah. you can develop the technique and all of that stuff. But really to truly, I think be elite in this league as a pass rusher, you have to some, have some freakish athletic gift to you um, or truly just be the complete package. You know, how do you think, uh, how do you think Dean Pease feels about the Falcons potentially taking a pass rusher at, at number eight? You think he's pushing for that hard? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think, weirdly enough, I think if you go back and watch that, I think what he was saying was more of like, I think what Dean was saying in that was that, you know, we Dean was saying we need to do a better, I think the question was about Grady Jarrett and his numbers being lower this season. Dean said, well, we need to develop pass rushers and essentially Grady will look a lot different. Grady would look, Grady's numbers would look a lot different. It's not that Grady's not having an impact, it's that we don't have a pass rush. Yeah, we need to surround him. Yeah, it's hard to do that when you're when you're getting triple teamed. So what he was saying, we need to do a better job at developing those guys. But he, then he was saying sometimes you don't even have to really develop guys. Sometimes you get freaks. Like I had Terrell Suggs and then he went on. He almost had Terrell Suggs. I had Ray Lewis. I didn't make those guys great. They made Yeah, he was like, oh, no, 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 no. Sack. Yeah. It's like, right. yeah, like yeah, they just exactly. would do stuff you didn't coach them to do and then they'd make it work out for them. Exactly. I want sick. one of those guys, Chris. Like, can I get one of those guys, please? <laughs> exactly. And I think that's what I think that's what he was hinting at. You know, we need one of those kind of guys. And then um, also when you have one of those guys, the edge rusher opposite of that guy also looks a lot different. I, mean, I think his yep. example was uh, Elvis Dumerville, um, who who had a lot of sacks when he was opposite of, I think it was, I don't know if it's Calais or Suggs, but just that kind of example, or Dante Fowler, Aaron Donald kind of defensive line. So yeah, yeah I'm not sure how he would feel. I, long story short, I think he, I don't know if he, I don't know if I would say he's not pushing for one, but I think he wants to be able to develop one and get somebody in there. So I think he would be all for it. I mean, I, I, I hope he would be all for it. And, you know, it's, it's all these coaches are pushing for, the, for their guys. So, and I'm sure yeah. he'd be happy with anybody who helps the team win would be his answer. Um, right. <laughs> but, all right, before we kind of talk about some of the other positions that the Falcons could look to be acquiring players at, uh, I think we need to talk about the fact that the Falcons uh, could lose a lot of guys that we've come to know and love over the last couple of years and, and some young players like, Boye Luikin and Isaiah Oliver and Russell Gage, who have really, we talk about development. They have developed with this team. And, and now, because of that development, some, some more than others, Foyer probably would be the most expensive of that young group. Um, but Russell Gage certainly has kind of done everything asked of him so far. Isaiah Oliver looked like he was finding a really good role. But you've got other players like Eric Harris and Dron Harmon, both of your starting safeties, free agents. Um, young Waiku, free agent. Aiden Hurst, Cordero Patterson, free agents. I mean, like, how do the Falcons even go about keeping this from just like falling apart? You know, we talk about plugging holes in a boat. They need to make sure that the boat doesn't just capsize because they lose all their guys and don't have the money to 
fill the holes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think for a lot um, for a lot of the, the the free agents that they have, I think there's kind of plans in in. I mean, at safety, you think about with Eric with Eric and Duran. I could see a situation where they may bring one of those guys back. I'm not sure if they if they bring both of them back, but but especially when you invested draft picks in Richie and in Jalen. Yep. Um, I think Dean has even mentioned last year. He said, you know, next year these guys should be able to go. Um, week one, they should be ready to go after a year in our system. So I think they expect the guys they have behind them to step up. I think what concerns, what stands out to me the most about Falcons offseason is they only have two guys under contract at wide receiver heading into yeah. next year in Frank and then in Calvin. And there, like we said, there's questions around that situation. So I think when we talk about the boat <laughs> capsizing and what we saw with Matt Ryan this year with that wide receiving core, I think that's where I look to. And I think, you know, something has to happen here because, you know, whether it's, you know, bringing Russ back or, or finding people, this, this group is going to look, you know, a, a hell of a lot different next year. And figuring that out, I think is, is key. I feel like in terms of the boat capsizing, I think everywhere else you can see, uh, you can see there's a person who can slide into that role or they'll be, or they'll be missing you know, or they're missing one person that they could pull someone from free agency or something like that. You know what I mean? Whereas with wide receiver, you have to find multiple guys to fill the, this large, this massive void. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I think obviously Thomas and, and young is restricted, I believe. Um, uh, I, so I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. That should be. And, and uh, Thomas Morstead was phenomenal this year. He's so good. So that, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a, that's a big deal to get him back to. Yeah, and that and that's Terry's Terry's guy over from uh, from New Orleans. Yeah. So I'm sure that that that'll be a thing. But do you think um, you know all of the talk about Matt Ryan kind of going on that speed training plan last off season? You think Arthur knew that they were going to have to start running a triple option offense in 2022? <laughs> <laughs> they're they're yeah, very close. They're that. they're about damn near to it. Um, yeah, basically. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> do you think? I mean, is there? So it sounds like wide receiver is like a priority area for you in terms of their own free agents. Obviously there are some individual players like young way and, and Thomas Moore said that you would like to have back, but in terms of that succession plan that you see at some positions, do you think that there are, you know, maybe, maybe one or two positions where you don't see a succession plan and you kind of feel like maybe they do need to pay to keep this guy around, even if it might cost or like that free agency is the answer to bring somebody in here because the answer is not in house. Do you, do you see any of, like I look at running back and I think some people would say, well, Mike Davis was brought in to be the number one. He got surpassed. Everybody wants Cordero Patterson back. Right. I, I think the price kind of matters a lot there when it, it comes to that situation. So if, if he's gone, how many fans do you think feel comfortable at running back? That would just be like one example, but do you have right. uh, one of your own? Yeah, I think for me, it would probably be a middle linebacker with, with foyer. I think, yeah. uh, I think the, there's a succession plan, but, do you feel comfortable with the secession plan? If I'm a big if, Michael Walker guy, so, okay, that's a good. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big Michael Walker guy. I mean, he would be the succession plan there, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, if you feel comfortable <clears throat> with that, then that's good. But I think what Foyer could possibly become, you might mm -hmm. consider paying a little bit more. And I don't think you should go super out of your budget to to pay Foyer if if it goes that far. But I do think Foyer has the potential to become really good, considering 
kind of just started playing this position. He just started calling <laughs> plays, you know what I mean, this yeah. year. So that that's the one that stands out to me in terms of this. You you might have a a, a, a gem here. So are, if you're comfortable with the session plan, then then okay. But I think that's that's the position I look at, and, and I'm I, a little bit nervous about. And I guess I would say, um, even in the in the nickel uh, with I with Isaiah Oliver, um, mm-hmm. he he would like you said in the in the first four weeks he he was looking like he turned a corner and he was yep. He was playing with confidence, which was like the big yeah. thing, I he think, was, because his his confidence took a hit really the first yeah. the first year especially, um, but the second year as well. It looked like he was really playing within himself and playing with confidence under yeah. under that role. Yeah, and it was kind of a revolving door there with Richie and Darren kind of swapping in and out there. Um, so, the, like you said, it was year one of a as DMPs like to always say is confusing, complicated scheme. So maybe year <laughs> two is different. <laughs> Yeah. I'll probably say those two positions for sure. The inside linebacker one is is definitely interesting, not only or not just because I think I agree with you for he's a really good player. Um, not only did he lead the league in the NFL or in tackles um, this past season, but the dude's one of the smartest people I've ever talked to. Like he just gets it yeah. and he, he's somebody who makes your team better. He just does. Yeah. And I think you look at Dean Pease's defense his historically in New England and Baltimore and and kind of they're always strong like right up the spine of the defense. They've got Haloti Nada and then Ray Lewis and then Ed Reed or yep. you know Teddy Bruschi and then Ty Law or or um, Harrison uh, and so the, that's like where Dean Pease wants to be really really strong and stout and I think losing Foye weakens you in that area. So I agree as much as I love Michael Walker I. I also really love Foye. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, there are no good, good problems to have in the NFL. But for me, the fan, that's a good problem to have. I like all of them. Um, now, now I guess is the time where we should talk a little bit about finances, finances, free agency, the Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley of it all. Because I think that when it comes to how the Falcons can get the cap under control, and I looked this morning um, over the cap, currently projects them at about 20 million over the cap. Um, and that's with Dante Fowler's kind of dead cap hit of, of 4.6 million added on to Julio's dead cap. And that's kind of where you get um, that number and, and then added on to the other guarantees and, and so forth. So 20 million, that's not like bad for comparison. The saints are 76 million over the cap at this point. So the Falcons can get under that. The question is just by how much and how do they go about doing that? So just threw a lot at you. How do you think the Falcons kind of, is there a path forward? What, what do you think that path could be financially for them? And does it involve Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan? And if it does, how so? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. Well, the interesting part about this is Tori actually has like three stories coming next week on like salary cap crunch. She talks a bunch of the cap. Her, get her on the phone right now. Put her on speaker. <laughs> <laughs> so she's buried in that right now doing that. So look for her story on this. But yeah, I think there are many ways they can go about it. And I'm not, before I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I am the, the number. It's one of the most confusing things in all of sports right. is like the NFL have, salary cap. Exactly. Like I have a, you know, complete <laughs> understanding of, of how they would even go about it, but I'm sure it would involve something to do with, I don't know if they're going to restructure match contract for the millionth time <laughs> or uh, Calvin moving or uh, Dion possibly moving or, or restructure, even uh, restructuring uh, Jake. You, but somehow something would, would have to happen for 
for them to get under the number we know, but I would say read Tory's story next week before I start saying things that don't make sense about money. <laughs> I yeah, I mean I I went I kind of looked a little bit at what what the savings would be for some players versus kind of their dead cap cuz that that's the issue is you may save some money with with some players but there may be a dead a big dead cap hit like that. I think Matt Ryan is is a good example of that where yes, you're going to save some money towards the cap but you're not going to save as much as you would think on the surface because of X, Y, and Z factors. And there are only a couple of players, you know, players like John Kaminsky. You could save $700,000 in cap space by letting him go. So is that worth it? And that's one of the better situations for releasing a player that the Falcons have. There's like one or two guys where you may save north of a million dollars by by letting him walk on as everything nets out. And, you know, that that's just not a great situation to be when you're trying to clear up cap space. So I do think restructures um, could be in the future. I do think trades are probably a better way out for um, the Falcons at this point than just cutting some of their guys um, mm. because because they have extended them and they have kicked that can down the road. It's just gotten their guaranteed money up so high that, that the dead cap is pretty insurmountable. Um, do you think Matt Ryan, I mean, now having talked to him and you've seen what I've seen, just he's so... He's a very, very impressive person in person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think he's got what it ha- what it takes to keep being the quarterback of the Falcons for the next few years? I think, I, I think so. I think also too. I think next year, I think if the receiving core is upgraded, I think next year would be more of a fair year to judge him off. I think he still, I think he still played well this year. I think he was kind of like a, a middle of the pack guy, above average quarterback play, and I think he elevated the play of of. Her, of the receiving core when you saw Russell Gage's numbers increase as they got more comfortable with each other mm-hmm. last game of the season. I think um, he might've had like 11 catches or or hundred something yards. Uh, he became a, a third down target. Um, Kyle Pitts was, was the first option. You know, he, he, Kyle, he Matt wasn't perfect. Of course, you know, he missed throws. He, uh, he got the toning penalty through interceptions of, <laughs> <laughs> but oh man but i think con- i think considering the situation i think he did a lot better than most quarterbacks would have done i think um heading into next season when you look at the nfc south you have to th- right now uh the buccaneers say they want to make a big swing at been reported that they want to make a big swing at quarterback and panthers could make a move and the saints could also make a move but right now i think you have to if you're you know, Falcons leadership right now, I have to think we have the best guy in the division in a division yep. that, that looks a lot different than it did last year. And we also have the most experienced guy in the division and, and experience matters. So I think with Matt, I think he definitely, I think he, I think he has what it takes to be the quarterback for the, for throughout his contract. But I think also if the, if, I don't know if it's completely fair to judge what he can do solely off of this season if that makes sense because of the offensive line situation, as well as the, the wide receiver core because of, you know, the down year numbers wise, not saying he played completely poorly, but obviously his numbers were, were down from years before. But I think anyone who watched knows that that was <laughs> kind of like <laughs> a combination of things versus just him yeah. not being able to, to, to make it happen anymore. So no, it was sense. the, like last season, especially offensively, it was, Almost you had to evaluate the players on a play-by-play basis, which is harder to do for a lot of people because it relies like a lot of focus. You got to, you got to 
be watching intently and sometimes just watch one guy for four straight plays, even if he's not really involved in the play, to get a sense of, okay, how is this guy playing? It's not just following the ball around. And and watching Matt Ryan, I mean, he, I think, it's a shame that he did have, frankly, the amount of talent around him for much of his career that he did. It it almost does like a disservice to his lasting legacy because I think nationally a lot of the perception is, well, Matt Ryan's one of the guys that you have to surround him with good talent to get the most out of him. And you look at Aaron Rodgers elevates this guy or Tom Brady elevates these guys. The few times Matt Ryan has had to elevate situations around him, he has done so. It's not really his fault. He's he's had good situations around him. And I I think also to that point, I think it's like um, when people say that, I kind of kind of raise my eyebrow, too, because I'm like, you know, uh, it's one thing to, you know, elevate your receivers or, you know, that, that phrase that, that we both use. But when you looked at the quarterbacks this season, there were many times where I was talking to Scott, where I said, when they're playing the Bucks, the first time they played the Buccaneers, you know, Tom Brady just stood like a statue behind the Buccaneers <laughs> line and was able to dot and throw dots to people. Yeah. It doesn't matter who your wide receivers are. If you can, if you're a pocket passer and your pocket is clean and you can, yep throws to, to wide receivers oftentimes yeah it's seven on seven man you're just exactly so, yeah. so I think with with Matt's situation this season it was a combination of okay receiving core is is different from what it has been but also he was like literally living up to the Matty Wheels name like he was scrubbing oh, yeah. running and he <laughs> the number of throws that he made where it was off of his like back foot with a dude yeah. hitting him in the face as he's letting it go and it's like a 15 yard over the middle dig route Exactly. That go fits in between. I'm like, that is the degree of difficulty on some of these throws that he made that he completed yeah. this year is off the charts. And that's why I say, you know, when you look at last year and you say, like, what other quarterback would be able to do what maximize what he did in this situation? Yeah. Um, and I, I think when you look at other pocket passers who probably were in the same situation as him, I don't I don't think you have the same results. No, and I, that's where I think it's really important what you brought up about the division, because if you're Arthur Smith and you're Terry Fontenot, I mean, one is with literally in the division. He has as good an idea of kind of the landscape as anybody, but they're looking at, at a Tom Brady who's entering his 44 year old season, uh, a saints team that is moving on from Drew Brees. And they probably looked at Carolina and were like, Sam Darnold. All right. Well, we like Matt Ryan better than Sam Darnold. I don't know what talk was happening behind the scenes in the league or whatever. They may have had an idea that Tom Brady was thinking about calling it, quits after this season who right. knows but, but you're like we got two three years left of matt ryan in the nfl like that's about as big of a window as you're you're gonna get and yeah. that's where the finances are the bigger shame because you could see that okay year one is implementing the culture blah 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 that everything seems set up for this year the falcons to kind of push the chips to the table and really accelerate this rebuild I just don't know if they're going to have the finances to do it without sacrificing some of the pieces that you would use for a big run like that. Right. Um, and, and that's where, I mean, that's why they're going to get paid the big bucks to figure out that, uh, that puzzle. But before I let you go, let's just do some kind of quick hitting thoughts on, on the other positions that we haven't talked a lot about. I'm going to give you a position on a scale of one to 10 and I'll give you my answer as well. One being not worried about it. Uh, 10 being like, this is, the biggest thing what are we doing why why aren't people freaking out about this um so you give me you give me your answer but cornerback you hinted a little bit like you would like to maybe see some Uh, upgrade at that at this spot so one to ten and then your thoughts one to ten i'd probably say uh 
like seven, six and a half, seven. Okay. Six and a half, seven, maybe. Uh, probably just because I think there are other places where I'm freaking out about a little bit. And I think, <laughs> and I think, I think uh, having, I think you can find, uh, I think you can find through free agency uh, a vet to bring in there who can, who can be formidable on that opposite side of, of AJ and, and in the mm-hmm. slot, you might be able to bring Isaiah back on a team friendly deal because of that injury. So I think I'm not going crazy about it there. Yeah, I, I'm actually a little less worried about it than you. I'm going to say kind of like a five because I think once you've got one guy, yeah. having having just one guy in the back end of your secondary who can play at a really elite level, I think changes the chemistry of everything else. And then you can pick, you almost know more about what you need at that other spot because one guy is dictating a lot of what the offense is going to do. So you say, okay, well, this guy, we're going to play a lot of zone or we're going to play a lot of man or you know X, right. Y, and Z. Um, so corner, I think, I think they can find a guy to plug in and have a really good idea yeah. at that number two, but they need to bring Isaiah back. I agree with you. Um, tight end, Lee Smith gone, Aiden Hurst, free agent, um, Kyle Pitts, obviously you feel great about that, but the rest yeah. of that position, how do you feel? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, for tight end, I'm kind of similar as corner where I'm not too worried about it, but they, I would say, I guess, a six. <laughs> I guess a six. Okay. I would say a six because... Uh, I don't have the specific numbers, but I think over a third of the offense in one of the stories per uh, PFF, the 30, 30-something percent of the offense ran with two tight end sets. And mm-hmm. the offense was better with Pitts and Hurst catching passes. So obviously, Arthur Smith likes to use the two tight end sets. This dates back to Tennessee. So I think they'll definitely need another tight end. But like like similarly to the cornerbacks, I think you can find someone who you can plug in there and who can who can be serviceable um for this year or for you know a few years. Yeah, I, I think for Arthur Smith it's probably like a seven or an eight. For for me it's I'm with you, I'm like it's a six. Uh yeah. because yeah, they, they do rely a lot. And that is an interesting wrinkle into this wide receiver deal and the Calvin Ridley deal is they're in a kind of a the driver's seat as to molding this offensive identity, at least the passing attack, because they could go the Patriots route and say, okay, let's go get another great tight end and just make right. a two tight end centered attack and figure out wide receiver around it. Or, you know, maybe they figure out wide receiver, have Kyle Pitts, and then that number two is more aligned with what Lee Smith brought to the table or Luke Stocker that we've seen kind of in, in recent years um, in right. Atlanta. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Running back. I mentioned Cordero Patterson, obviously free agent. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I think running back, I'm really like, I'm not that worried about. I think running back, I would say even less than the other two. I would say probably a five. I just think in, okay. in general, uh, in the NFL, you can find a guy at running back who can produce for you. Um, usually late in the draft or for free agency, I feel like running backs, we usually see you can get that production um, from someone. I think in in CP situation, obviously he was more productive than he played multiple roles. So he led the team in rushing and receiving touchdowns. Um, I think in in the Falcon situation with with their running backs, I think it will be tough for me to see both of those guys coming back. So I think, but I think I guess what I'm trying to say is, regardless of what happens with Mike and CP, I think you can. I think you can find that production from the running back position next season. And I think we've seen running backs situations around the league prove that, that you can find a back 
give you who can produce if that makes sense yeah so you're you're saying that kind of like running back as a position is lar- yeah. is further down on the like scale of yeah, importance maybe yeah on for like a, yeah. because you can find those guys having that and that I, and I, yeah i should say though before this i should say um what the the Falcons fans will probably disagree because of the history of the running game in Atlanta <laughs> and not having a, a you know a really a guy since Devontae Freeman. So I think probably for Falcons fans or people who have even maybe like you who maybe cover the team longer, your alert might be higher. So I would say that to preface my answer that I know Falcons <laughs> fans might feel different, and I guess this is not prefacing well, it. Anymore, I no, I mean I think that the the Devontae Freeman situation was actually interesting because. You know, you think back to um, maybe it was 2015, may have been 2016, though. That preseason in training camp, Tevin Coleman had actually unseated uh, Devontae as kind of the starter and got dinged up in the preseason. Going into the season, Devontae was the de facto starter, but it it kind of wasn't until he paired with Kyle and obviously Kyle's run schemes and Bobby Turner as the right. running backs coach. And like they unlock running backs. That's what they do. Uh, and then Michael Turner kind of, I think, benefited in a lot of the same ways from a great offensive line in front of him, just a, a really yeah. solid offensive game plan. But he's probably the last running back that I think Falcons fans would say it was like he could just do more than any of this, any situation in front of him. You just trusted him right. to maybe get it done. It's a little bit higher running back for me. I agree with everything you said. And I think that the, the, the league average running back is is more than capable of doing whatever a team needs to do in the NFL. So the you're not losing a lot, I think, um, right. from one player to the next uh, for any team in the league. Like I was looking at PFF's free agents. I, Damian Williams was like 190th, and you know uh, Kansas City Chiefs running back who fantasy football owners were like climbing over everybody to pick up in week 13 because yep. he had a 120 yard game. Like so, exactly. <laughs> you can find these guys. Um, I think that running back though is becoming a little undervalued because we're seeing leagues switch defenses, defensive coverages, kind of put a tent over the passing games. And you're going to start seeing, I think some of these young running backs coming in the league, um, like, uh, damn, I'm blanking on his first name, but Williams out in Denver, uh, Javante. Thank you. Um, Javante Williams is a perfect example. Like, I I just think that he is going to be a great running back in this league. I mean, we're, we're seeing guys. Jonathan Taylor, these young running backs exactly. pop and they're going to be future at the position. I would like to see Atlanta maybe take a stab at one of these guys instead of just going to get another retread um, league average. So, all right, that was a long answer on my <laughs> end, but uh, wide receiver. Uh, wide receiver, I would say is maybe... The same level, I'll say wide receiver is maybe a 7 to a 7.5 for me. I, I still haven't given you one one solid number, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I'll probably say a 7 to a 7.5 because of what I said earlier. There's so, this is the, I get, I, well, there's so many questions everywhere. Do I dare say it's the group with the most questions? I mean, there's. I, I think the, that's safe. Yeah. 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 There's, the, you know, you have two guys coming back and, and Darby who, and both guys didn't play much in Dart with Darby. He only p- caught up one pass in 2021. He was special teams gunner for most of the season. And then we know Calvin's situation. He played five games. So I think wide receiver, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about more than the ones we've talked about before. As I said earlier, because you have to fill a, the entire room 
you gotta yeah. have to <laughs> like you, you have to find Ajay guys Sharp, free agent as well. I mean, yeah, yes. all these guys. <laughs> exactly. So what what is going to happen there? Who are you going to get back? Gage said that Falcons have first priority. So you know, you you think back to, but if you th- if you look back at Tennessee and the kind of guys who Arthur Smith, you think you look at a guy like AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. He seems like he likes those big wide receivers who are. Yeah, guys, yard, you know, yards after catch who who muscle and is, you know, I don't I don't know if that's his thought process, but just looking back to that offense, um, is that the kind of guy he's looking for? Is that the kind of guy he wants to sign? So I think that that one would be high up there for me. I'll probably say eight. I'm gonna go eight for me. Yeah, I'm 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 like right there with you. I'm an eight or nine. I think this this has a a big chance to change if Russell Gage is back, if Calvin's back. Obviously, that this goes drops down a little bit, but the potential of both of those guys being gone, and and then you literally have to build that room from scratch. Um, and it, you know, it's not given financial limitations. They probably can't do that super well. They need those draft picks to to target some other priority yeah. positions. Like that's where stuff gets really really tricky. Which this could go into red alert territory for me. All right, two left. Um, defensive tackle. We talked about edge. What about a yeah. uh, guy next to Grady? How important is that to you? Defensive tackle, I would say, is is also. I'm just. I would say it's. A, I would say it's a seven point five. I think. Again, I think the. I think that pairing it. You want to make sure that the veterans on your team know that you're committed to winning, um, so that they want to continue to play for you. You don't want a guy like Grady to think you know because he just he didn't make the Pro Bowl this season he you want him to know that you're committed to putting to him being successful yeah so I think by, the one way to show him that is by putting a guy next to him that will cause him not to be triple team <laughs> <laughs> we don't need a repeat of the Lions game exactly putting a guy on the outside who will, who will not be triple team I think you need to have more than 18 sacks so I would say getting an interior guy next to Grady would be would be up there for me I agree with everything you said. I'm I'm also just a fan of Marlon Davidson. I I'm, like to see what he can do. I like Anthony Rush as well. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see if they value him enough to kind of bring him back. I thought he did some nice stuff from the interior. So Edge did. is still Edge is still the the bigger priority for me. So I'm going to say defensive tackle because you've got Grady in place. Um, uh, it's like a six, six, a five okay. or a six in my book. Um, there are more pressing needs, but I would love a great defensive tackle in there. Last right. one, offensive line, because I think I think for a lot of people, it's a toss-up between pass rush and offensive line in terms of like where this team needs to address. I've got yeah. my thoughts on this, but I'm curious to hear yours. Yeah, sorry about the noise in the background, but I would say for oh, me, my, I would say I was waiting for this one. That's why I was trying to make sure my numbers, <laughs> I'd probably say this is like an 11 or 12 for me. It's, it's, oh, uh, there you go. It's all, <laughs> yeah. Because I think... This will kind of explain every my because I think the obvious needs are, uh, you know, edge and and offensive line, you know, outside of Chris and, and Jake. But I think, like with the defensive line, especially when you have a pocket, not that a running quarterback changes everything, but when you have a pocket passer like a Matt or a Tom Brady, they look a lot different when your offensive line gives them time. They look like completely different people. So a lot better quarterback. So I think when they have the time back there to drop back and and find those open guys, find the receivers look a lot different. Not only do they look different, but then you can say, I can grab this average running back and he can 
run through <laughs> run through these holes. I don't need a person um, like like we were referencing. But I think an offensive line only helps your quarterback. It helps your running back. It makes everyone look a lot better. So I would say the trenches are off the charts for me on both sides. That's that's an understandable answer. I am kind of in the other camp, though. I really? view, I think offensive line for me is like a six. And I say that fully knowing what happened last year. I, I get how often <laughs> Matt Ryan was hit. I mean, I thought he made some superhuman plays. I, too, watched Jalen Mayfield in the Eagles game. Um, <laughs> but I think the Falcons have a really, really good offensive lineman in Chris Lindstrom. I think they have a really good offensive lineman who has three or four years left really in his prime and Jake Matthews. Um, and I think Caleb McGarry's league average, but I think that offensive line really comes down to um, kind of cohesion, familiarity and mm-hmm. coaching. Like I think coaching plays a lot um, into an offensive line. And I am more willing, I think because I have that belief to see what year two looks like with kind of this same group, because they were together for pretty much damn near the whole season and right. you got a, a full year of Jalen Mayfield learning, taking his lumps. Um, Matt Hennessy, this was really his first season as a full-time starter. I think he played pretty well and maybe was made to look worse than he was at times because of the, the situation that he was kind of dealing with to his left there. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just curious to see maybe what they look like with a second year. Now, does that mean I would be opposed to them grabbing a, a, a interior offensive lineman on day two. No, I would not, but they've also done that the past couple of years. So right. let's see what a drew Dahlman can do with the vet. Like they've, they've put the resources in that I'm ready to reap the benefits, I guess, or at least okay. evaluate for one more year, I think is where I'm at with the offensive line. No, that makes, that makes sense. I kind of, sometimes when you, when you, well, no, I'm still there with, with a line, but I feel like sometimes when you go, it's kind of swaying me a little back or swaying me. One <laughs> way. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. That's though. what these I, conversations are supposed to do. It's, Right. That's why we love to have them. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it like I hear everybody who says the offensive line is an issue and, and the run holes were still not there and all of that stuff. But I also saw one of the worst offensive lines I think I've ever seen in 2015 turn around and look like one of the very best in 2016. So sometimes yeah. it's more than just the individual talent. If David Bakhtiari is available in the draft, go get that guy. But <laughs> there just aren't aren't too many of those. And I think they have one in Chris Lynchdom. Um so, all right, this is the last question for you, I promise. And it's going to be, you're going to the Combine. Uh, love the Combine. It's going to be so much fun. It's the weirdest business convention in the world. But what are you looking forward to seeing at the Combine? And then have the Falcons, has Terry Fondo given any type of inclination as to how the Falcons might approach this year's draft? Yeah, I think you said uh, how the Falcons will draft, right? Yeah, just how they might approach it. Yeah, so I think in terms of sorry, I'll cut, cut off for a second. I think um, with I think Terry Fano, Arthur Smith have been consistent in kind of like, and this is what they're they're saying. But I think consistent to the the Ravens' approach in terms of taking the best player available, which I think when you look at the Ravens and what they've been able to do, I think that's worked um, for them. <laughs> <laughs> so Fair. I think yeah. Yeah, I think taking the best player available is a, is a good strategy but I guess I would say I'm looking at uh Derek Stingley if he's what, what I love looking at Derek Stingley there his because the guy ran a uh a four three in high school and he had a 42 inch vert in high school uh, so it's kind of workout like, warrior 
Yeah, we need to verify that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so uh, I, I would like to, you know, along with all of his injuries, you know, definitely, I think I'm I'm keeping an eye on those quarterbacks, just keeping an eye on them, you know, to see what what happens there, how they look there. Um, but yeah, I think really when you look at the Falcons, I think we talked about on the podcast, it's kind of like you could really go anywhere. I yeah. I feel. Um, and you would kind of be justified in that. I mean, I think some people would, if I think if they took a, a quarterback in the first, in this year's draft, some people would probably have some questions I don't, if depending right now. <laughs> um, but probably, uh, <laughs> but I think, uh, I think elsewhere you could look just about anywhere and say they, they need to be looking here. Um, and except, maybe except for, quarterback and running back. So I say I'm keeping an eye on everyone outside. I'd be of- pretty surprised if, if number eight was a tight end. I think I'd be a, a little bit uh, shocked at that yeah. one. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely tight end. Hey, too. we said competition at every position, baby. Kyle, right. watch your back. <laughs> yeah. So I, I said, I would say I'm keeping an eye on everybody probably outside of those still keeping a, you know, an eye on them too, but not as close of a not. Definitely looking at those edge rushers. Oh yeah. I mean, this this is one of those where the clear need may line up right with the best player available. I mean, because mm-hmm. you're early enough in the draft, and and this the draft is kind of breaking their way. But I, to say that the that the Falcons are at a crossroads is an understatement because they're at like a 16 way. I mean, they can literally do anything. And I like I've I've been trying to wrap my head around what do I even write to like as a as a table setter for free agency and just kind of say well what could the Falcons do or what would this mean for this? And I'm like, they could do anything at any point. So it's not even, it's not even worth trying to find an angle at this point because we just got to wait and see. And that's, what's going to make this time uh, so much fun. But this conversation was really fun, Chris. It was great to meet yeah. you. And I'm, I'm really uh, happy and appreciative for you hopping on to uh, join me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. It's great to talk with you and it's always good to talk Falcons and really insightful. So it's so good to, good to talk with you, man. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back on soon and have fun in Indy, dude. It's going to be fun. Thanks, man. That will do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much again for uh, listening. Thanks to Chris for hopping on. Um, you know, I, I know last week I kind of teased that the offseason may bring a little bit of a different schedule, maybe not weekly. Um, and then I took a week off. So that was maybe me subliminally kind of telling myself that I was getting tired. Um, but I, I use some of the week to plan out what may be happening on the rest of the podcast. Don't worry, we're going to get Ovi back in the fold. Um, he's just incredibly busy. Uh, and so while things are a little slower on the NFL slate, um, he's, he's kind of dialing back to maybe once or twice a month on the podcast. So he will be back soon. Don't worry. Um, but I mean, this is our 57th podcast episode, which is both crazy um, and awesome. And we've pretty much been here for all of it. And hopefully you have to hopefully that continues to be the the case. Um, and we're not going anywhere, even if we will take the occasional time off. Um, but it's going to be a really exciting off season. We're going to be here for all of it. Um, please let everybody know where they can find us. Uh, please like subscribe, rate and review. Um, let us know what we can be doing better. And we will uh, continue to try to find different ways to cover this team that we all love. As always, today's podcast was presented by Bet Online. Um, and everybody, please take care. Hopefully, the the 
weather is going to get a little bit warmer. It looks like that's going to be the case. And, you know, football season is gone, which sucks, but it'll be back before we know it. And in the meantime, we've got a lot of interesting information and topics to cover on the Falcons as they look to reorient for the future. So thanks again for listening. If you've made it this far, you're a, a champion in my eyes and take care, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.